and welcome to the Human Sense Podcast. This is episode two. We're so happy that you're tuning in. I'm Haley. And I'm Kat. And we're really happy that you're here. We have our first interviewee, interviewee, here, and we just are really excited to get started. Yeah, today our topic is going to be around mental illness, and our interviewee has been so delightful and wonderfully able to open up and share a bit about herself. Our interviews will be anonymous unless the interviewee says otherwise, so this will be an anonymous interview, but please be non-judgmental and really open-minded to everything that you hear on our podcast because this is truly a safe place and a place where we want people to feel that they are not alone. So just be kind and empathetic as you tune in. And this story might relate to you. So when you're listening to our guests, please be aware that, you know, everyone's story is different and everyone goes through different parts of mental health and their own experiences. So please be, as Kat mentioned, open. And thank you again for being here. So um, let's kind of get into a little bit of background of just why you wanted to go on our podcast. Like, what did you want to share with us? So I just think that there's a lot of stigma around mental health in general, and it affects so many more people than I think even you or I might realize. And um, like, I wish I had numbers, but I'm sure the numbers are something astronomical of like what people deal with every day. And I just wanted to tell my story and tell a little bit about the things I've gone through in case it does relate to someone else to make them realize that they're not alone and it's it's cool (laughs) right and absolutely I think like honestly in this kind of setting like we all have a brain and we all have different experiences through our own lives so we all deal through different kinds of coping yeah and sometimes coping can be through you know what we learn from others to what we learn from our parents so it can be it really depends so everyone has their own challenges with mental health so i'm glad that you wanted to share your story while you're here so what did you want to talk about today well so you you had previously sent like a list of like potential topics and things like that and i remember like when i read through them it's like oh tell a little bit about your story really has it relate like for me as it relates to depression and my first thought that went through my head i'm like depression is like the most boring thing to talk about on like inherently what it is because you don't do anything like that's usually how it manifests is like you don't want to do anything and so I'm like inherently this is a very boring thing to talk about (laughs) but I do think it's important to talk about um because it's not just being lazy it's not just not wanting to get off the couch because like they're like you wanted to binge 18 episodes of whatever like that's not what it is and that's why i think it's important to talk about um but so as far as like a story goes it's it's more just like this is something that has affected my life probably since i was a lot younger than i even realized but it really manifested itself in college Um, And that was when I first started to really notice it and acknowledge it. And I still didn't really do anything about it, um, which is part of the problem. But um, I think... Sorry. Go ahead. I was going to say, like, did you feel like 
like did you notice it like or did you no so that was I think when you've dealt with something or when there is truly a chemical imbalance in your brain and you you don't know anything any different so you don't really realize that it's not normal until someone else a loved one uh, someone who is mentoring you like anyone who really cares about you may point it out and so I had no idea. Um, it was my boss at the time who actually has his master's degree in counseling. Um, and our one-on-one -on -one sessions each week were more like counseling sessions than actual like boss relationship <laughs> um, sessions. But I had just met mentioned in passing that like I come back from class and I lie on my bed and I just stare at the wall and I don't even do anything. Like I don't go to sleep. I don't scroll through my phone. I don't like watch TV. I just like lie there not realizing that that's not normal. And that was when he was like, you know, that's a indicator that you might have depression, right? And that was like a whirlwind to me. And my first response was to get really defensive. And I was just like, no, I'm fine. Like, this is just like, whatever. And it took a few days to really simmer to be like, you know, maybe this isn't normal. Like all of my friends are doing stuff after classes and I'm not. Um, so it really took someone who a had knowledge of like what depression can manifest itself like, but someone who also knew me really well. Um, and I didn't know any different. And so that was kind of the first wake up call of like, oh, um, when that person, like your boss at the time kind of told you that was a sign of like, or kind of similar or mm -hmm. the sign of depression, what did that like? Because you said you got defensive. Did that, like, did it sit with you? Like, how did it sit? Like, do you feel like you had to take, like, do you feel like that advice was good? For it was good. And in retrospect, I am so glad that he said something. And honestly, he wasn't the first, or he was the first person, but he wasn't the only person in my college career to mention something. Um, and both times, even the second time when I shouldn't have gotten defensive, I still got defensive. Um, so I think that's something important for, you know, even if you're a friend of someone who's um, maybe struggling with something, to point out that, you know, they might backlash at first. And, like, that's – you just need to let that roll. <laughs> and what was – what do you think has been your biggest coping mechanism? Or what was your coping mechanism at the time? to help you through that realization that you may be suffering from depression? So I've always been a runner. Um, I was a runner in high school. Um, I was a runner for freshman, sophomore year in college. And then, you know, depression took over and you don't want to do anything. So I stopped running on the team, but I did continue running. Um, so that's always been a coping mechanism for me. But even that, sometimes I feel like I can go overboard you know it's like okay am I running because I'm training for something or am I running because like this is literally the only time that I feel okay um and so that's it's weirdly something that I like have to watch in a sense um even though it's a good healthy thing um it's just if I'm running more that doesn't necessarily mean I'm feeling better I really like the way you put that and it's not necessarily something that I've thought about because when you think of positive coping mechanisms such as running mm -hmm. you think oh that's a great way to be able to get you back on track but in some ways even a positive coping mechanism could be an escape mm -hmm. 
Right. So I don't find, I'm not like one of those people who goes for a run and I like process all my thoughts. Like that's not how I run. So it really is just truly, literally in every sense of the word, running away from my problems. <laughs> Do you feel like when you, especially because when you run, sometimes you're like mostly focusing on keeping your body in form of the pace, mm-hmm. the mileage, like the distress of the pavement or the woods wherever you're running or whatever challenge you have during your running do you find that's something that also helps with the coping because you're putting your mind towards it depends like especially speed workouts and track workouts and things that like I really do have to be focused on those especially like really just like take me out of whatever else I was feeling and I think that's part of the reason why running can be such a good coping mechanism is it's just it's a nice break from yourself almost um but you're not really dealing with anything that's happening. <laughs> you know? Well, so like people who are like running is my therapy. It's like, well, yeah, but like, no exercising. <laughs> is therapy. Yeah. Though. And like it can be, but I still think people need to be working through those problems in some way. Otherwise it's just building. Um, well, I think the way you kind of fa- you phased it was like, instead of processing my thoughts and mm-hmm. co- like dealing with it, I, put them on the back burner yeah and I know plenty of people go out for runs and that's when they process their day and like that's great that's just not how I run (laughs) so kind of going back to like in college you were running Mm -hmm. but then did you find that especially with like some like people who cared about you talking about how they're worried that you might be having these symptoms of depression when you took that time to process it did you want to kind of fix quote-unquote the problem or did you kind of feel like you couldn't do anything about it like tell me a little bit more about like those few days or that week or that so admittedly I didn't really do much um and it's it's one of those things that um even if you try to talk to people like a lot of times people may just be like oh shake it off like it's you know which is um, which is very common um and so there were a few people that I did try to like disclose in and they made me feel like it wasn't like that big of a deal and so I just tried to like you know power through or whatever and nothing actually got better throughout college which is why undergrad was such a struggle for me because it was like every day was an uphill battle kind of thing Um, And I was in a really toxic relationship. That's different. But, like, there were just a lot of things going on that wasn't – it wasn't a great time for me. And it's still a miracle to me that I made it to graduation. Um, So That's an accomplishment. I, like, am still blown away that it actually happened because truly every single day was such a struggle. And one thing that I don't think is talked about enough with mental health and depression specifically and – this is just one way that it manifests for me, my memory goes like crazy. So when you're trying to study for an exam and A, you can barely get out of bed to bring yourself to go to class and B, you can't remember any of the content that's being presented to you. You're not going to do well on exams. You're not going to do well on your assignments. So it was just constantly, it was like negative reinforcement in this vicious cycle of like, I'm not good enough because I'm not getting good enough grades. I feel crappy. I can't get out of bed. Like, literally, I went, I got out of bed to go to class because I figured that was the only way I was going to get any pity points. I sat front and center. I never missed a class. My entire five years in college, I missed one class. 
And so I always went and that was because I knew I was going to fail the exams almost every time. So it was just a constant uphill battle and it fed on itself. Um, but. So I know, especially like, cause knowing a little bit more background of who you are as a mm-hmm. person, but kind of just to share with other people, if that's okay with you yeah. is like you mentioned the toxic relationship you had in college. Mm-hmm. You mentioned how you weren't doing well in school. Mm-hmm. Did you notice, like, especially, like, I know some of the things that you had said, like, the depression, like, when you were sitting in bed and, like, staring at the wall. Was mm-hmm. that during all of this? Like, was that, like... That was something that started probably my sophomore year and kind of continued through all of undergrad. Even after I had realized that maybe this is something that I'm dealing with. It's just I never actually dealt with it you know it was just it became an awareness of that's what it was but it's not like I was lying in bed like oh I think this is a like depressive symptom I should get up and do something you know like it just didn't occur to me like that so it just was kind of a constant throughout my college career Mm -hmm. what were the main steps you took say after college because Mm -hmm. you said that throughout college it was Mm -hmm. kind of a struggle Um, what were the main steps that you took that may help other people in their journey with depression so I think I mean for me at that time it was very environmental based so just which depression what it is is not environmental based like environmental factors can have a very huge role but at the end of the day it's a chemical imbalance and you could be doing all the right things and it still not matter um but so the biggest thing I did I was just like psyched about an environment change um because I wasn't in college anymore I moved out with one of my best friends um and you know I kept running but I wasn't running for like a race I wasn't training specifically for something which I actually think helped because it was more of I'm gonna run right now because I feel like it because I think that's gonna be something that helps me um and I think just really trying to even though it sounds stupid, I started trying to like focus on like little ridiculous things that made me happy. And it's like, okay, you know, I saw a leaf on the ground that was shaped like a heart. That's kind of cool. Don't say it's stupid. I mean, literally things that like make you feel a little bit more every day, Mm -hmm. like a little bit not better but like a little bit more alive every day yeah so it was that was just like one thing that I did and you know sometimes it didn't make a difference at all um and other times it was like okay well I had these three things that were kind of cool and it's it wasn't so much that it helped me feel less depressed it was just like it gave me something else to focus on um of like okay like maybe I can focus on that for a little bit or like do whatever um because for me and I think for a lot of people depression isn't being sad all the time it's a lack of emotion it's pure apathy towards everything um so it's like just trying to like extrapolate whatever joy might be in that leaf on the ground (laughs) you know um that's impressive that you were able to do that um I think that being able to find joy in little things mm-hmm. or even just find some type of peace or distraction in some way mm-hmm. when you're feeling numb can be pretty powerful. Mm-hmm. So that's that's incredible that you were able to do that. Now, would you say that your depression 
has ever been a strength of yours? So that was also another question that I saw and I had literally never thought about it like that. I was like always like this is a super crappy thing that happens every day like and it really took me really thinking about like how could this be portrayed as a positive and I actually recently just listened to an audiobook that was about kind of like trying to reframe potentially negative things and how you can make them positive and so it was good timing because I was like in the practice of trying to do that um and this isn't really a benefit and it's not something that I think people should really do, but when you are depressed and you are apathetic towards almost everything, shit doesn't phase you. <laughs> like, oh, that's not necessarily inherently a good thing when people are complaining because like, oh, we're so undervalued and not paid enough at work or, you know, just like random things that happen all the time. It's like, sure, I was supposed to get a promotion and a raise, but then COVID happened and they paused all promotions and raises. And because of my depression and because of my pure apathy towards everything, I was like, meh, it's fine. Um, and like, does it sting a little? Sure. But like, emotionally, am I any different for it? No. Like, I know plenty of people who would be super riled by that and be like, you know what? No, like, this is unacceptable. All this stuff where, like, for me, it just, it rolls off. So I don't think that's a good thing and it's not something that I want, like, but like, it's the closest thing I can think of as a benefit. Let me rephrase the question. Okay. <laughs> How about instead of, this strength means that depression is something that, like you, like you mentioned, it's something that you can't just get rid of. Mm -hmm. It's not something you can just shake off. You can't remove it. It's just something that in mental health, what you're dealing with, it's every day mm -hmm. is going to be not related to depression, but you will always have that. It's always like an overtone, you know, and right. sometimes it's like a heavier weight. Sometimes it's a lighter weight. Um, I've described it to people as like, you can relapse with depression, which I think is not something that people really think about. Um, but, like, it's not a constant every day. Like, I have never been as bad as I was in college, but with COVID-19, I got close, and I had sort of episodes that were very similar and in those same places that I was when I was in college. And so – and but I had years in between where, like, sure, there was this constant little shadow, but in general, I was doing fine, right. you know? So it is environmental for – like there are factors that like key into that but at the end of the day it's always there it's always a chemical imbalance and you don't have to have anything to trigger it it can be like I got so frustrated once because I did nothing for like a week and I was really upset with myself I'm like I haven't gotten off the couch I barely went to work like it was bad and I was like but I've been eating well and I've been running every day and I've been talking to my friends and before I, you know, took two or three sick days, I was crushing it at work. Like there was no reason for that, quote unquote. And so it was just like, it doesn't really matter. <laughs> but like exactly how you explain it, like you, when you were like, this feels like I was not productive every single day this week, but I was able to take the little things that I enjoy in my life, like talking to my friends, eating healthy, exercising. Yeah, and those were more just like, I feel like they were more just like boxes to check than like something in the moment that was making me feel good. 
I see. It was like, okay, I'm going to eat healthy. I'm going to go for my run. I'm going to talk to my mom because that makes me feel good. And, you know, but, like, it was checking the boxes. It was going through the motions. It wasn't that I felt any better. Does that make sense? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. But. Which, I mean, again, like you mentioned, with depression, like, being aware of it and again it's a blessing and a curse to be aware of it that's but like exactly how kind of going back to the question of strength like oh yeah i got totally off topic no no no, it's okay okay. (laughs) but like it's something that's a strength like you're aware of Mm -hmm. your depression and i am glad that i'm aware of it because i can start to see those like trigger signs and i can start to see things that like it's like, oh, this is a red flag for me, and I can at least vocalize it to someone else. Like, I can vocalize it to Andy. I can vocalize it to my mom and be like, look, this happened. I don't like it. Just wanted you to know kind of thing, you know? So. No, and I, I think that's really important as a key takeaway is that, the, like I mentioned before and, like, how you mentioned multiple times, it's a chemical imbalance. Mm-hmm. You don't notice it sometimes in your life sometimes Mm -hmm. there are triggers that can bring it back to a stronger degree Mm -hmm. but what are the things that you can do in your everyday life that keep you going being aware that sometimes it's okay not like as the new Demi Lovato song and like people (laughs) say but like it's okay to not be okay yeah like it's okay to feel depressed but we also have to realize that as human beings we're processing a lot of information at once and it can be overwhelming and more so now than ever like i don't think social media is really always a good thing um and i like for me things that i do when i start to see those red flags i again and i do feel like it's just like checking the boxes but like i'll go for a run i'll make a salad i'll like do like these random things that are i'll like try to go for a walk and try to extrapolate things that are like okay that was kind of cool they're I, it snowed for half a day and I saw people cross country skiing. Like, that's kind of cool, you know? Um, so I think just trying to at least put yourself in the best position to try to feel better, but knowing that if you don't, that's fine and that that's normal and don't beat yourself up over it. Um, cause I know that that's something that's really hard for me. I get really frustrated. I'm like, I did all the right things. Like, <laughs> right. Why is this not working? Um, and just kind of going back to being like, no, this is a chemical imbalance. This is actually a disease. And that's why I think there needs to be more awareness for it because for diseases, there's, there's accommodations. Like I, I take sick days when I don't feel good, but like, I'm not really sick. And, you know, I think mental health days really need to be more of a prominent thing because so many people don't feel comfortable taking them. Um, and sometimes like people will be like, oh, we'll just get up and go to work and you'll feel better. And that's not how it works, you know? So, and I find I'm less productive when I go to work on those days and it's actually better for me to take a sick day. Um, And I'm fortunate to have sick days, but it's also, you know, I always have to be like, I have a cough, you know? Like, I can't, yeah. yeah. So I think that's why there needs to be more awareness for it. Yeah, I think you brought up a really good point that I think maybe some of our listeners can relate to. Our society puts so much pressure on us to be okay and Mm -hmm. to feel good and to be doing our best and putting our best foot forward. But really, sometimes we can be doing 
all of the right things Mm -hmm. and still not feel okay. And I think that's where it's important to know that we all feel like that time and time again, right? absolutely. But it's even more so when there's a mental illness that you're struggling with as well. And I think that that's just such a good point. We can be doing all of the right things and still not feeling that great. And I think now, especially, I don't know if you've ever seen this, especially on social media, where, like, you see someone who you might not be close with or friendly with, and you see them crying. And they're just showing, some people will post videos or pictures of themselves being, like, vulnerable. And I think we have built in the society, like, being vulnerable is wrong and scary and Mm -hmm. shows weakness. But I have never related to that person. Don't know why they were crying. Don't know why they were posting for the reasons they were, other than they were talking about how they were not feeling good and they felt like other people were feeling the same way and they wanted to be open and transparent. And I never related more to those people being so vulnerable. And I do think it's a good thing that there are more people kind of posting the more vulnerable side and – you know, I have a running Instagram, like you have a dietitian um, Instagram, and sometimes I'll post on that being like, you know, I went for my run and I don't feel any better. <laughs> and I think it's important for people to see those things. Um, and I am glad that it does seem like there's starting to be a paradigm shift, but that's again in our circles. You know, like right. I think we're thinking about like, okay, these are the people that we follow. We probably intentionally try to follow some people that like might be more real and might be, you know, not broadcasting this perfect version of themselves when like the vast majority, that's probably not the case, right. you know? So I think that's just something to keep in mind of like, yes, it's great. And I'm glad that people are posting more about these things, um, especially just so many young people especially um trying to you know i always think about babies um and i'm like every time you're hurt as a baby it's the worst thing you've ever felt and and i'm just like and it's like no shit why they're crying like that's awful and so especially when you're younger you just haven't experienced as much so you don't know that these things that you're feeling are as common as they are Um, so that's why I do think it's important that people kind of post this because I know like I have a 16 year old cousin who's on social media all the time and, you know, posts, posts ridiculous things. And like, I hope that she's seeing some of these, some of the content of people being more real and more vulnerable. Um, but I do think that there's a line and sometimes it could trigger things for people and, you know, I, I think there's a balance to it just like everything else like you don't want to one day open your instagram 10 years from now and it's just everyone crying like that's not what you want either you know so so i i'm just saying i think balance is important there needs to be the balance right (laughs) well i mean we look in social media for positive things Mm -hmm. But then at the same time, we find those positive things and we're like, wow, we're so, that person's showing such positivity in their lives and to their followers and what they're trying to showcase. Mm -hmm. And then you're like, but what am I doing in my life? Like, how do I reflect my life to what this person is posting about? Mm -hmm. Like, and that's why, like, I think it's good to take social media breaks and be like, you know what? 
I did just fine until I was like 15 without this. I'm sure I can, I'm sure I can do just fine. And like, that's the scary thing about like kids now. I know this is off topic, but like they just have literally always had it. Um, and so like my cousin who's, you know, six, he knows exactly what's happening when like FaceTime pops up and he like performs for the camera. And I'm like, this is adorable and horrifying all at the same time. So we live in a world that wants to be connected, mm-hmm. which now is more important than ever with COVID-19, mm-hmm. because if we didn't have the technology today, I don't know how, because the, the span not the Spanish flu. What was the big? It was the Spanish flu, I no, think. That was in 1920. Oh, okay. But we never really got hit with anything no. this big. Yeah, this has been a huge pandemic, and it's so important that we have outlets mm-hmm. <laughs> we have zoom we have ways to be able to connect with one another mm-hmm. to be able to feel a little less isolated but is there anything else that you'd like to share today for our listeners I'm trying to think like I had like before I came I'm like like misconceptions and like bullet points and I think we actually touched on them all like depression can relapse it's not just being sad all the time um, oh, I had four and I can think of two. So, um, and oh, the memory thing, um, that was, <laughs> that was one of them. Um, so timely. Um, but like for, for me, and I'm not sure if this is the case for other people because I don't know about other people's depression, but like it can be a huge memory block and that just is a hindrance in every aspect of your life. Um, and then, can't remember the last one but we're gonna end on the memory one before we actually end um i wanted to ask you have you you have you ever seeked any therapy regarding depression so not specifically related to depression i did have a therapist when i was in high school but long story that it was like court mandated because my dad went to jail um but like it wasn't specifically for like for mental health And I just didn't have a great relationship with that therapist. So I've always had a hard time trying to force myself to go back. And the closest I got to it, because like I said, I kind of was in this happy zone for a while where like, yes, depression was a weight on my shoulder and it may pop up a couple of days of each month, but like it wasn't a constant thing I was noticing where that didn't start to become a problem again until like just before COVID, like it started to become a problem before the pandemic hit. And I was like, oh, I should probably get a wraps on this and maybe try to find a therapist. And then COVID happened. And I hadn't been, I, I've had a really hard time getting over that hurdle of trying to find someone virtually because I didn't connect super well with, um, with that first therapist that I had ever seen. The closest I got was um, my mentor, my boss in college who had his master's in counseling. That's the closest I've ever had to like an effective therapist Mm -hmm. um and it's something that I want to start to seek out again and again with people being open on social media this is just like one last tidbit that I thought was fantastic and really helpful for me there's a girl who I was friends with in college who posted being like hey big news guys I had my first therapy session today and I thought that was great that she posted that for two reasons a there needs to be more awareness about this kind of stuff but b 
it allowed me to message her and be like, hey, I've been starting to look into trying to find a therapist, but I'm really apprehensive about the virtual format. Did you meet someone in person or was it over like Zoom or whatever? And she's like, it was virtual, but I kind of got to the point that it was like I felt like I didn't really have anything to lose by trying. And she's like, it was remarkably good. And like, well, yes, I would prefer it to be in person. Um, it was helpful for her even over the virtual format. So that was kind of just a really nice extra. And that was just this past week. Um, and so that was a really nice thing for me to hear. Um, and admittedly, like I did message her, I reached out, I realized not everyone would do that. But like, I thought it was great that she messaged because I was like, I am so apprehensive about trying this. Um, so I think social media can be a good thing. And to answer your question, not really. I haven't really seen anyone specifically for depression, but it's something that I would like to do. And it's just a hurdle right now with COVID. Do you feel like talking about it or actually before I ask you that question, I want to ask you if someone was in this room who felt very similar to your story about like your challenges with depression and like what you're doing, what would you want to say to that person? I don't know. Like, I want to say you're not alone, but like, that's what everyone says and it kind of gets oversaid and I find that almost annoying. <laughs> um, but like, just knowing that like, I think you kind of said it best or someone said it best like it's okay to not feel okay and don't feel like you have to twist everything into a positive and you know it's it's fine um and like yes you should try to figure out coping mechanisms for yourself that work um maybe talk to someone if those coping mechanisms aren't working for you uh, but that it's normal and it's probably more normal than you realize so well, thank you so much. Yeah, <laughs> you've been a fantastic guest tonight, and we were so grateful to be able to yeah. speak with you. Happy to be the first interviewee. That's very exciting. <laughs> I feel so privileged. <laughs> of course. I mean, again, this topic, as we figure out the whole podcast, we just really are happy that you felt comfortable talking yeah. to us about this, and we hope that people who are listening can really relate to your story about like what depression is to you mm -hmm. and like how you're dealing with it yeah. every day. Happy to do whatever I can in any format to help. So well, thank you so much. And thank you to our listeners. We look forward to our next episode, episode three. Mm -hmm.